Where were the other drugs going? Welcome in to the Bro for Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 182, and I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Thank you so much for checking us out and joining us for the movie discussion tonight. Before we get started, let's go around and meet the fellow bros. And we begin with our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger. Now, Geiger, baseball season just started, so I had a question I wanted to ask you from a game I was watching. In a traditional benches-clearing brawl in baseball, do you find it cowardly or just clever as a former player how the bullpens always manage to sprint onto the field, but then instead of fighting, they just talk to each other? Not really, because it's the bullpen. They're not meant to go long distances, so after the sprint, they're kind of tapped out. They're only about to go a couple innings. Now, if you would have the bullpen actually in the dugout, I think they would uh, maybe actually throw some fists. But just to show you that every baseball fight is basically just fake fighting, if you're going to go fight someone and you have a weapon like a bat and a helmet, why would you drop the weapon and throw off the helmet where most of the punches are going to go toward the head area? Makes no fucking sense at all. Imagine a Viking running into battle and he drops his sword and his shield and just like... Be like the Patriot, like, hey, there's the British. Let me just drop my musket and my, you know, vest and then just go and fight them. Makes no fucking sense. And then it's just like the guy with the drums and the, the flute. He's like, why are we even at this fucking event? This doesn't make sense. Good advice. That's such an Next. intern role in the Revolutionary War. Yeah, you'll start with the flute. And if you survive, you might make it to the army. Look, flute's important. How are we supposed to keep rhythm? Like, what do you mean keep rhythm? Everyone's shooting muskets and cannons at us. I don't know, Dylan. That attitude is not, say, middle management potential to me. Next, we go in the lab to the mad scientist, Brian Banner. Now, Banner, you are a scientist, of course, and I need to replace a doorknob in my house. And I can't fucking do it without destroying half my living room. I tried to pry the damn thing off this weekend, and it, it looked like it was going to be pretty destructive. So how much would you charge, give me the friend discount, to come over and help? Look, I'll do just about anything for a six-pack and half a meatball sub. Can I have eaten the other half of the meatball sub, or do you need it to be ordered as a six-inch? That way you don't feel disrespected. Oh, I don't care. Half a meatball sub is half a meatball sub. I do like how every time you make this request, you're realistic. Like, eating an entire meatball sub is kind of like... It's too heavy. Ruins, it ruins the rest of your day, you know? Yeah. So Too too much sauce. The, the, the meat kind of sets in there. Obviously, the cheese. Just You're just down for the count if you have the whole thing. Can I give you a hot take? I prefer my meatball subs without cheese. Wow. Mm. Sorry, guys. Not even Parmesan? Okay, maybe I'll sprinkle a Parmesan. <laughs> My God, I, don't, I feel my, like I don't even know you anymore. Twist my arm. Jesus. It's like when you go to Subway, that's art, bro. The guy made your sandwich. He's a fucking artist. I think so, but. <clears throat> All right, on the Bro 4 Squad, we begin every episode with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And although it's later this year than it has been traditionally, it is time for our annual movie madness tournament bracket obviously this is not coinciding with the ncaa tournament like we typically try to honestly one of you guys correct me if i'm wrong we literally just fucking forgot to do it right and then we remembered like a hundred percent we just forgot to do it i actually <laughs> so think us. i want to say we were watching the final four and one of us texted the group was like did we do a tournament this year 
What if it was just the State of the Union and like the press secretary is like, yeah, we were going to do that. We just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I'm going to look. I'm going to level with you guys. Right. You're not stupid. We just didn't remember to do it. So now we know. I had a lot of shit. That was the week that I had. I had the kids. My wife was out of town. Fucking pampered chef retreat. Tax season. I don't know. A lot of stuff. A lot going on. There was a full moon one of those nights. I drank, um, drank way too much. <laughs> Basically, what this is is we come up with a theme, and we curate a tournament. Some it can be anywhere from eight competitors. We've even done sixty-four, which I think we really regretted our first year on the pod. God. <laughs> Never um, again. Never we had again. five subscribers and sixty-four teams. They do. Yeah, that and ratio. four of them were us, and that, the other one was, I think, Henrik. I don't know. Actually, I meant to tell you guys, I, I, it took me about a year to subscribe to the show. I wasn't really sold on what we were doing, you know? Had wasn't quite bought in. Um, so previous iterations of this tournament, feel free to look these up on our YouTube channel. The first year, we did Comic Movie Madness, which was the 64-team tournament. Then we did Star Wars. I don't know if this is in the correct order, but Star Wars Movie Madness, where we put all... At the time, there were, I believe, eight Star Wars movies that we put in a bracket. Then we did animated female characters movie madness. And then I believe last year, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, we did worst sequels ever. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. So this year, uh, in honor of Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves' The Batman, which actually, as you're listening to this, should be dropping on HBO Max within a day or two, we are doing a Batman actors movie madness. So we're taking the seven actors who have played Batman in a live action film. And then the only person who could possibly enter this tournament as an eighth seed, which is Kevin Conroy, who has voiced Batman on both Batman the Animated Series and then several of the uh, DC animated movies as well. Um, So what we're going to do today, because this tournament, as always, has been decided partially by us, but mainly you, the fans, is live on pod. We are going to do a random draw of those eight actors to put them into a bracket against each other. So no bias in the seating. And then, Brian, if you have the bracket pulled up, would you like to reveal when we are judging two of these matchups tonight, which are the three criteria with which we will be determining who will advance to the round of four? Of course. You want me to talk about it now? Yeah, just so the people know what... uh, Okay. I didn't know if we were going to draw first. That was my only question. Uh, So we decided that the criterion for this tournament is uh, they're acting as Bruce Wayne. They're acting as Batman. Uh, I personally think those are essentially two different characters. A lot of the other bros agree. And then the third one is their fighting ability slash use of gadgets, kind of overall badassness of Batman himself. Let's say the physicality of the role, which will be physicality. That's that's a smarter way to say that. Difficult to judge for Conroy, but not impossible. I would say. No, not impossible at all. Voice actors are. I mean, it's something we don't get into much in the pod, but it is an art for sure. Hundred percent. Very difficult. I've seen bad voice acting, and it's bad. I mean, look at Bradley Cooper in Guardians. Very true. Case in point. Fantastic job. And. Point. All right, are we ready to randomly draw the matchups? And then, uh, Brian and Matt, do we want to just score the first two or pick, like, the two that we least think the fans would enjoy participating in and score those? Because it's, it's our show. We can basically do whatever the fuck we want. I was going to say, am I an asshole for just saying I want to judge that one, even though the fans would probably enjoy it as well? Which one? 
oh, I don't know the matchups yet. So then why did you say that? <laughs> no, like, I want to pick the match. Like, after the matchups are, are chosen. Sure. I pick the one that I want to do. Oh, yeah, we can do that. It's We're right. in charge. The fans at home are helpless. All right, here we go. Brian, can you type these out in the bracket as I read them, or should I? That's a lot of responsibility, but I think I can do it. All right, I can manage it. Our yeah, first name randomly drawn is Adam West. So Adam West is first up, and he will be facing off against. Wow, can I unfold this? Wow, Robert Pattinson. So the oldest iteration of Batman against the newest. It's kind of cool. I'll do the matchup. I'll type them out. Well, Was Adam yeah, West Bruce like... Wayne? Yeah. I just thought he was always Batman. Okay. Well, in the Batman movie, he goes on a date with Miss Kitka, who's actually okay. All right. I recently <laughs> watched the film. Not proud of it. And he tries to get her to suck his dick as a means of ending uh, Russian-U.S. tensions. I mean, who hasn't done that? Yeah. Right. Russia's Are... still, you know, we're, we're, up we're to still their tricks. <laughs> and maybe if Miss Kitka would put out our right, our next matchup features Val Kilmer. Oh, this is a great one against George Clooney. God, the that's a good one. That is a really Joel. Cool. That's an eight nine matchup if I've ever seen one. Just like a coin. <laughs> yeah, anything can fucking happen, you know. The Joel Schumacher, may he rest in peace, tournament. Uh, our third matchup we have Kevin Conroy, who, if you're at home, uh, saying, well, he didn't voice him in a movie, he did. Not only Mask of the Phantasm, which was a theatrical release, if you want to get really specific, but several, uh, yes, yeah, se very good movie, several DCAU films as well. Kevin Conroy will face off against Christian Bale. And that would leave in our last matchup, Ben Affleck. This is going to be a hell of a matchup. Ben Affleck against Michael Keaton. Wow. Damn. All right, Banner, but looking at these matchups, West versus Pattinson, Kilmer Clooney. Conroy Bale and Affleck Keaton. Which one do you want to score for, for us? Ah, uh, man. I kind of want to do Val Cl Clooney. Okay. Hmm. Do you want to pick the second one yet, or let's do that one and see how we feel? Uh, let's let's do this one and see how we feel. Okay. So there are nine points total to be divvied up among the three bros. Again, acting as Bruce, we will each pick who we think was the best. Acting as Batman, and then their fight scenes slash physicality. Now, Geiger, why don't we go to you first? Val Kilmer versus George Clooney. Who do you think was the better Bruce Wayne in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, respectively? I mean, I think Clooney was the better Bruce Wayne. You got to take apart the whole kitty thing, but... They basically kind of played themselves <laughs> in this. And I mean, Clooney's got the the Playboy thing down. When you're like 40 or 50 and Playboy, I mean, dude, that is Clooney. And Clooney as Batman was maybe the problem, but Clooney as Bruce Wayne was definitely not the problem in that movie. Yeah, I think most people do agree with that as well. All right, so Geiger votes Clooney. He's up 1-0. Banner, how about you? Who's the better Bruce Wayne? I... I hate Clooney, by the way, just in general. I don't like him. I don't I don't get it. With that being said, he is a much better Bruce Wayne than Val Kilmer was. Uh, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. He has that playboy, 
rich guy swag down to a T. So this point, uh, unfortunately, has to go to Clooney. Banner says Clooney is the better Bruce. I will make it a clean sweep here. So Clooney's up 3-0. I think case in point, the scene where Poison Ivy, and again, they're all poorly written, but the scene where Poison Ivy comes to the uh, Gotham Observatory to like kind of freak out at Bruce and just be like sort of a bitch um, because he's like not letting plants rule the world. He actually acts pretty well in that scene, like handling her personality as like this billionaire playboy who's also being asked like why haven't you married your supermodel girlfriend and i kind of that was like really the only extended scene as bruce that i enjoyed and the problem i have with kilmer as as bruce is all of his scenes with like dr chase meridian i just felt like he was really hamming it up with when he was talking about like his childhood trauma just didn't yeah right. i i 3-0 clue all right who's the better batman again these are Two of the worst iterations of the, the character, I think, just universally. Um, Banner, we'll go to you first. Clooney or Kilmer? Who's the better with the cowl on? Uh, I'm going to go Val. Clooney was a really, 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 really bad as Batman. And I know a lot of that was the writing and his direction, but it was embarrassingly bad. Basically being told that he was in a fucking toy commercial. You don't it was that? awful. It was awful. Uh, and part of it may have been his back and forth with uh, Robin. Uh, Robin and yeah, his... Bad. And then how he presented himself to uh, Schwarzenegger. Just, I don't know. Just really fucking bad. Yeah. All right. One point for Val Kilmer as If Batman. you want my extended opinion on it, check out our first ever movie commentary. I think so. It was, it was either that or D2. It was that one. Yeah. I think it was that one. We've also done a retrospective. Cycling and I did a retrospective on the movie. Like, a few. We're obsessed with this movie. We've talked about it more than like anything else on the pod. All right. Clooney's up. Uh, well, he's down 3 1 total, but he's up 1 0 in the better Batman. There's Kilmer, excuse me, in the Batman category. Geiger, what say you? Who's the better Batman? I'll go with Val Kilmer. And just to echo Banner, you know, we relayed this to sports and March Madness. It's all about coaching and writing, directing, tone. It plays a big role. I mean, both of these men are phenomenal actors, but you put it in there. I mean, Batman has is in tone a darker, well, Adam West, but it, in when it's good, it's like a darker kind of concept. And not that Schumacher went be, yeah. dark with Batman Forever, but it is it is more realistic and not as third grade as Batman and Robin. And I'll have to say, man, Val Kilmer wasn't... I love that movie. It's a guilty pleasure. I will go back and watch that movie. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's because I remember going to the theaters and seeing it and getting all the collector's cups at McDonald's. But Fuck yeah. watching it, it's not... Ba- like. You can't not have fun watching it. Like we said, it's a fun movie. It's not a good movie. Batman and Robin's a bad fucking movie. It is long and it is terrible. This movie is not bad, in my opinion. It is long. I'll make it a clean sweep for Kilmer to tie this thing at 3 3. I, uh, I think the end scene, he's actually pretty good as Batman. And even though I don't feel anything with regards to his relationship with 
Harvey Dent Two-Face. I think I blame a lot of that on just how fucking poorly written his character was. It makes no goddamn sense that he's the same character from Batman Returns, uh, which he's supposed to be, because they literally just all of their relationship is happens off screen. Uh, but I do think the scenes with like the dichotomy with Kilmer's character and the sort of the he had a better character arc as Batman because remember he had to decide does he reveal himself to Chase Meridian or does she actually like Bruce Wayne? And so that was actually kind of a cool thing that they did and hadn't done before in a Batman movie. So Kilmer ties it up at 3-3. All right, the last one is physicality. So, Jeff, I love how Dr. Chase Meridian just... Every single scene looks like she came off like an OnlyFans. Like she just was taping her OnlyFans and then like came up. It was, it's like how, I mean, she was so thirsty and it. it's great. The way the way that they like constantly find ways to explain why she's in lingerie is I kind of respect it. Like awesome. the opening the opening scene where she's at the crime scene, she's like, well, I got the call from my bedroom. I'm like, and you can't put a fucking shirt. You know what? It's fine. You sleep alone like that? <laughs> like, huh. my God. It's like $400 lace lingerie. I mean, it's fine. I'm not complaining, but... Marry him and have a kid, Banner. She won't, she won't dress like that forever. <laughs> it is. All right, last one is physicality. It's tied 3-3. I'll go first here. I'm going to give my point to Clooney, mainly because I just think Batman and Robin is... One thing I did love as a kid, there's a lot of fighting in it relative to Batman Forever. Um, and I think a lot of that is because they were trying to sell toys and action figures. But as a result, like, they're not good fighting set pieces, but they're a little bit fun. Like, the ice skating one in the beginning, like, come on, you gotta, have, you gotta fucking enjoy that a little bit, right? The scene, um, I guess pretty much at the very end where they're put on the new costumes because they had to sell another set of toys and they fight in the observatory is kind of cool. And I also like the scene uh, right when they invade Freeze's hideout where he has a little tussle with Bane, which is good. So I'll say, I'll say Clooney, but this is like, this is a, a difficult point to give because I don't think either of them were very good physically in the role. And Val Kilmer's Batman is like so fucking emotional the whole time i'm like are you gonna like cry if you punch somebody like what's gonna happen with your like i regret hitting him so hard uh all right four three clooney right now banner what do you think <laughs> this is a hard one this is this is definitely the hardest i mean there was a clear bruce and a clear batman there's not a clear uh winner in this one i think i have to give it to and i can't believe i'm saying this because i I fucking hate myself. I have to give it to Clooney. And I think it's because his his fight scenes, yes, there were some more, but they were just fun. Uh, regardless of, of anything else, they were just fun. They may not have been good, but they knew what they were. And like the ice skating scene, it knew it, knew it was going to be ridiculous. And it just slid right into the, into this, the slide. Yeah, you have to view that as <clears throat> like an episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on Saturday morning. And they yeah. set they set the tone for the entire movie with that scene. Yeah. Gotta All right, well, that. Clooney's going to win now since he's up 5-3, but uh, Geiger, are you going to help him cover the spread? Who gets now, your... I'm going to give it to Kilmer before we lose any more subscribers. How can you both be like, oh, physicality? Well, I give it to the ice skating fight scene. Like, what the fuck is that? On Batman Forever... The one where he goes to like the street where Robin is and that fight scene is actually pretty fucking cool. 
with Robin's oh, yeah. like racing. That is- like that is a pretty cool. And the opening scene with Two Face is not really necessarily a fight scene, but it's him um, saving a victim before a bomb goes off and stuff. Like that's a pretty cool scene. And then the ending scene when you know they're swimming or whatever, and oh, Batman Forever. Like it's not the perfect. You know, we've never really gotten a Robin. Uh, this is the first one we've gotten. And Chris O'Donnell in that movie, obviously it's a little more poppy, but it wasn't like, it wasn't bad how they introduced Robin. And I know that's not what the point's going to, but a lot of those scenes, man, with the physicality where he saved, uh, he tried to save his family, the circus. There's a lot of cool scenes in uh, Batman Forever. Giving it to, uh, I'm, I'm giving it to um, Kilmer. All right. Well, he'll cover the spread. I think it was it was plus one and a half. So that's a big point. Some people, as Brent Musburger would say, and some people in the desert. The are boys not... in the desert. <laughs> You're looking live at the Bro Four Squad. <laughs> All right, five four. George Clooney defeats Val Kilmer. He will move on to the final four, awaiting his competitor or his matchup, uh, which will be the winner of Robert Pattinson and Adam West. God. So, all right, Banner, which other one do you want to score here? Uh, I don't care. Geiger, which one Which one do you want I'll to score? I'll do Aflac and Keaton. All right, let's do it. Okay. All right, Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in the second matchup of the night. Again, the other two we'll put up on our Twitter this week for you to score. So follow us on Twitter at Bro4Squad. That'll be Adam West versus Robert Pattinson. Kevin Conroy versus Christian Bale. So... Let us begin. Batfleck versus the OG Michael Keaton. Geiger, we will go to you first. Which of those two do you think was the better Bruce Wayne? God, I hate this because I'm gonna. Is, I'm not gonna exclude the Justice League. I, my Justice League canon is Snyder's. Uh, That'll count. But, but I'm gonna give it to Affleck, which I fucking hate because I love Keaton. You know, you everyone listening knows. I love the first Batman and Batman Returns. I'll rank them up there with any movie besides probably The Dark Knight. But, and in Batman versus Superman, I mean, it took me by surprise because I'm not an Aflac fan, but that grizzly Batman that doesn't give a fuck anymore and basically is like, dude, I, I will kill anybody. I've been through a lot of shit. And then how he, you know, he just turns the Playboy thing on. He's not a Playboy anymore. He just turns it on when he's Bruce Wayne and turns it off like he's got a split personality. I thought he played that so well. Me and Jeff saw that in theaters in New York, and I was even like, damn. He he captured a side of Bruce Wayne that is extremely dark, and it really fit the age of Bruce Wayne he was playing, and I thought he played it to perfection. People can say what they want about that movie, and some people really like it. I really liked it. Some people didn't. But I think everyone, if you kind of put the Affleck shit aside, can admit that he was a pretty damn good Bruce Wayne. Definitely. <clears throat> All right, Affleck up 1-0. He wins Geiger's Bruce Wayne point. Banner, how about you? Uh, I'm actually going to echo everything that you said, Matt. I think that Affleck gets help here. You know, we talk about with the writing and everything. We haven't seen this kind of, of Bruce Wayne batman yet that old older uh like you said can turn it on turn it off and just doesn't give a fuck his batman we haven't seen that so i think i think he really benefits a lot from us getting a a different take on uh bruce wayne and and older bruce wayne i really really like that all right so 
Affleck is now up 2-0. Something just happened to the... Oh, I scrolled over. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let me say this. I loved the Michael Caine, uh, Christian Bale dynamic as Alfred and Batman. I think, I know it was a smaller sample size. If we would have gotten a little bit more, meaning like one more solo Batman movie of of Irons and Affleck, I think I might have liked their dynamic more. Mm. Because Geiger knows that Jeremy Irons Alfred where he's just like, Drinking a tumbler of scotch while he's like helping Bruce from the cave was like one of the coolest fucking dynamics I've ever seen on screen. He's the army wife. Like this is his tenth deployment. He's she's not worried about him like coming home dead anymore. Like she, like he's gonna survive. He's done it right. a million times. He's like doesn't give a fuck anymore. The line that he has where he's like piloting the Batwing. He's like, "There's fourteen insurgents on the second floor. Shall I drop you off on the third? <laughs> <laughs> he's got like the big fucking ice cube, and he's just drinking a scotch. <laughs> so I really, really, I agree with everything Geiger said. I mean, the Bruce where he's basically like dead inside, but he knows that he has to put up this facade at a few times as Bruce um, when necessary. And the line he has to Alfred in the cave is one of my favorite Bruce Wayne lines where he's, he's justifying why they need to kill Superman. And he says, 20 years in Gotham, Alfred. How many good guys uh, did we know? How many are le- still that way? Or how many good guys left? How many stayed that way? Basically, like, everyone we know is going to end up fucking us over, so we might as well kill this guy before he's expecting it. Now, having said all that, in my opinion, Michael Keaton is the best Bruce Wayne you've ever had. And he just had this casual... And again, he's playing him at a different point in his life, at least in the 1989 Batman. But he had this casual, like, very relaxed, like, unassuming personality to him and almost played him... Kind of like, not like an idiot, but he did a really good job of being portraying that he's like sort of clueless to where people would never suspect he's Batman. And to me as a kid, I just gravitated to that totally. I'm like, dude, this is so badass how he's like the dude who could kick the shit out of anyone in the room, but he's kind of acting like he doesn't even know how like a fork and knife work. Um, And again, that just really made me fall in love with Batman even more because I'd only seen him in a cartoon. So I got to go Keaton here. I think... I think as far as Bruce Wayne goes in this tournament, it's one, two, Affleck, Keaton, in my opinion. Yeah, I probably wouldn't disagree with that. All right, Banner, we'll go reverse order for the second one. Who is the better Batman? I think Keaton is the better Batman. To me, Keaton is is Batman. He was the first Batman I ever saw. He is Batman. Everybody that came after him gets compared to him. I know Adam West came before him, but I don't count that because I was negative 35 years old. <laughs> All right. So it's tied at 2-2. As Keaton gets your point for best Batman, Geiger, what do you think? So Mike, Michael Keaton is Batman. Christian Bale was always, well, He the American Psycho guy is playing Batman. And Ben Affleck is Ben Affleck playing Batman. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is Batman because before that he was a comic and no one uh, and I'm kind of talking out of my ass because I was like one years old but I've went back and watched a lot of the interviews and stuff and a lot of people were pissed off they're like why is this comic playing Batman is it some Adam West like stupid thing right. and they didn't know he could you know be a serious actor now of course we know he's like an Oscar winning actor and as Batman man he I mean like what do you want to talk him and Jack 
you got to talk about how they interacted with villains too, which, you know, as Batman, Affleck and Henry Cavill's dynamic, I mean, it was okay, but not even close to Keaton and DeVito, Keaton and Pfeiffer, Keaton and Nicholson, you know, any of that. Keaton and, um, uh, shit, what's the guy's name? We always make fun of his voice. Who is Max Shrek? Um, oh, you know, Christopher it, Walken. Christopher Walken, like any, anything like that. I mean, it's, he is Batman. The other people are just other actors in different roles that are playing Batman, and some of them did a really good job at it, but Michael Keaton will always be Batman. I mean, give Tim Burton a lot of credit. We've shit on him a lot on this pod because I think he's his only... He has, like, three really good movies. He had his time. Yeah, the rest are pretty shitty. But he cast Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito in one of the darkest Batman movies that we've ever seen. Yeah. Like... That's crazy. I still honestly am fucking haunted by Danny DeVito as Oswald Cobblepot. That black shit coming out of his mouth. Um, all right, Geiger. It's a three to two right now, Keaton, and I'm gonna have to give Keaton the clean sweep in Batman. I and I, you can call it nostalgia for me, or you can call it um, just maybe misremembering things because of how influenced I was at the time. But when he grabs, I can't remember the name of the Joker's like number one henchman in the opening scene and says, "I'm Batman." I actually think that's my first memory of a movie in my life. Like, that was so fucking cool. Nostalgia counts as some, though. If we're ranking the best African-American baseball players, I mean, like, are you going to put Ken Griffey over Jackie Robinson? You know, that counts for something. It really does. Being first counts for something. And I just think Keaton, I mean, I just fell in love with him in that role, man. He fucking crushed it. And I'm I'm watching... uh, the show dope sick with him right now. And every time he comes up, I say to my wife, I'm like, that's my Batman. She's like, he's been in 14 scenes this episode. Can you stop saying it? Like, I understand he played Batman. I'm like, well, it's my Batman. Sorry. All right. Four, two Keaton is up, but guys do not change that channel. Not so fast. My friends, because we have physicality coming up and I'll start it off. There is not a Batman in this tournament that could beat, Ben Affleck's Batman in physicality. Sheer for I mean, Geiger, do you have a boner right now thinking about that warehouse scene when he just breaks the yeah. dude's neck and doesn't even fucking flinch? For sure. That scene is fucking incredible, and I... For all the things people say about the Sny- Zack Snyder fans, like the psychos, watch that scene, and you'll be like, okay, I kind of get the obsession with this guy <laughs> the, in terms of Zack Snyder as a director, because that is fucking... That set piece is so incredibly well shot. Like, you can see every bone that he snaps perfectly. He's super fucking violent. It's just, in, I think it's the greatest Batman fight scene we've ever had, to be honest. So, I have to go Affleck here as the better physical Batman. So, that makes the score 4-3 to three in favor of Keaton. Banner, what do you think? Who's the better physical Batman? I am going to tie this ball game up and go Affleck. Another big thing is the use of, ga- of, of his gadgets. Mm-hmm. That That's a big, big part of this to me. I think the only person that could beat Affleck in that subcategory uh, is the animated Batman. And that's just because it's animated, so they got to do something different. But he is the most brutal Batman that we have. Again, just doesn't give two fucks about anything. And... He's got that cool Superman killing suit at the end, right? The little Iron Man suit. Yes. His 
compound the bat cave is fucking awesome i think real chic kind of on that lake so i'm going going ben affleck and if you go like keaton's batman especially in batman returns he kind of gets fucking dunked on by the penguin like that scene where he can't even control the batmobile and like a few other things it's like dude he's like the parent who like calls their college-aged son to be like hey how do i get the internets on the laptop it's like you're getting kind of owned right now all right so it's all tied up here it's uh four four geiger it's only fitting that geiger breaks yeah. the tie i think we got to take a little bit of the time frame and accountability as well like you're talking about 1989 versus like 2016 obviously we've come a long way especially like video games where you can you know pick up a hooker and bomb a fucking city. I'm going to go Keaton and this is why, and I'll fucking defend it. Um, first off, Aflac's Batman is extremely brawler style, but that's what, not what Batman is. If you go back and watch Batman and Batman returns, Michael Keaton does a lot of type of karate type moves. Now his villains don't really require him to be as brutal, but talking right. about any of the Batman toys, with the Joker, he had the Batwing up in the sky because he had to basically go over there and see what the Joker was poisoning the people with. With the Penguin, who was underwater, he had, like, whatever that's called, the Bat thing underwater. He used the Batmobile extremely well. Superman just basically fucking destroyed the Batmobile. And Penguin did uh, kind of fuck with it a little bit, but he did figure that out. But I still think if you go back for the time frame... Dude, no one bitched about Batman and Superman other than being a bad movie. There was fucking parents petitioning against Batman Returns to take it out of McDonald's, and this is not suitable for kids because it was so fucking violent for the time it's being. Now, it's acceptable violent movies, but back then it wasn't. So I would say if any Batman ever pushed the envelope, I would urge you to go to YouTube and look back at Batman Returns reviews where parents are walking out of the theater because this is too dark and too violent. Um, for their kids, which is the only Batman movie that has fucking happened with. So I'm going to give it to Keaton, man, just for the time frame and everything like that. Obviously, you know, Aflax is brutal, but I don't know. Pattinson's is just as brutal, too. I mean, that's just kind of the way we're doing. Keaton was brutal before brutal was fucking cool. Like he was basically being the dark Batman before anyone was even asking for it. And if I'm a kid in 1992 and parents are like saying don't go see batman returns it's too violent i mean how much worse does that make you want to go see it that's I mean, like telling me don't the terminator was out yeah it's like jesus I, my, my excitement level went from like a six to like a 12 my parents don't want me to see it well we're getting tickets tonight i didn't know that and i i can't for the pod's credibility i can't let our fans look at like dude Affleck beat keaton in like a batman tournament like come on yeah all right, Michael Keaton advances. We had two 5-4 matchups. Very interesting. So Michael Keaton will await your vote at home in the matchup between Christian Bale and Kevin Conroy. And then above them in the bracket, George Clooney will face the winner of Robert Pattinson and Adam West as voted on by you at home. We'll probably post each of these uh, polls to last for 48 hours and just straight up whoever gets the most votes advances. To the How easy of a road does Pattinson have? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. we got to be Adam, <laughs> West, Adam West and Clooney. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, he can probably rest some of his starters, but then, Matt, it becomes rest versus rust, you know? Yeah, that's true. He reaches the final. I don't know. It's 
It's I want to say it's March. It's not. But so March is crazy. Maybe April's not. April's just straight chalk. It's a chalk month. All right. Anything else you guys want to say about the bracket before we move on? We can't do best Batman villains because it just basically would be Heath and everyone else. Yeah. We'd have to give him a bye, like to the championship game, basically. I, I actually considered doing that, but yeah, that was my exact thought. Like, I'm not going to vote against Heath in any fucking case. It'd be cool to talk, like, about Pfeiffer and DeVito. I mean, there's a lot of cool villains, but come on. Good idea. <laughs> I'm not going to act like we'll do it next year since we did Batman this year, but definitely down the road, that's something I would consider. All right, the second part of our show is our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. I got a light one here, guys. It's been a little bit busy, even though we haven't potted in a while. Um, I got three things, so how about we just go round robin, and then whenever we run out, whoever's left can uh, just empty out what they got. Banner, why don't we start with you? What have you seen lately? All right. Let's see. Let me pull up the notes here. Uh, so I have basically been, I've just been watching uh, DC animated universe movies, just back to back to back to back. Uh, I think there on was on HBO Max. I'm guessing I think all on X, all on HBO Max. So I did Justice League, Flashpoint Paradox, Justice League War, Teen Titans, The Judas Contract, Wonder Woman, Bloodlines, Son of Batman. Justice League, Throne of Atlantis, Batman versus Robin, Batman Bad Blood, Justice League versus Teen Titans. Jesus. Uh, yeah, and uh, Death of Superman. And I'm about halfway through Reign of Superman right now. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about each one of those individually. I'm just going to highlight. I think I've seen about a third, maybe like 40% of those. Oh, shit. Uh, Justice League Dark as well. I watched that. I didn't have that on my list. The original one? We did a review of that. I think. Yes, we did do a review of that. That's right. Uh, and it holds up today, man. Have you seen Justice League Dark Apocalypse War? That's actually what prompted me to go through and start watching all of these. Because uh, I think that's I the best, best DC animated. My second favorite is Flashpoint Paradox. Uh, have you watched Son of Batman recently? It's been a it while. It is fucking incredible. Really we reviewed that on the pod also, like way back when. Way back when. That was like early days. Yeah, that was like Tali is so hot in that movie. Who is? Oh, yeah, she is. Tali Al Ghul. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. The outfits the League of Shadows puts her in are not uh, too conservative. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going to be the only woman here, you're going to have to show some cleavage. I don't know what else to tell you. If you masturbate to anime, which probably half of her subscribers do, like, I never have, but I understand it sometimes yeah, I, I, I get watch it. this. You're among, it's a safe place. I just, I just think I couldn't, like, I wouldn't be in a good place after... Afterwards. I think I start laughing halfway through and then never get an erection again. Yeah. That's... But each their own. All right, so Banner, uh, I know you want to kind of talk about these as a whole. Overall thoughts, because I think this, the DC animated universe after Justice League Unlimited ended, which was kind of the Bruce Tim version of this D universe, um, it got a lot darker, right? Uh, yes, it got a lot darker. Uh, one thing I want to comment on is these are all either PG-13, R, or TVMA, which really, really helps them a lot because they can go a little bit more brutal. They can uh, convey emotion a little bit better through cussing and things like that. A um, lot of blood, chopping people's heads off, shit like that. Uh, not quite invincible, 
gory, obviously. Uh, right. But the Amazon show. Yeah, but obviously, but but it's still very very good. Uh, Son of Batman, it's in my top one hundred. I won't lie to you. Uh, I've seen it wow. before, but it it holds up. Uh, Justice League Dark was absolutely incredible. Uh, again, a second time, and I actually really liked uh, Teen Titans: The Judas Contract. Um, I don't think I've seen that one. It's it's worth a poke. Uh, earlier, Matt, you said something. We we haven't really got a great Robin. The Robin that they have throughout these movies is really yeah. good, really cool. Damian Wayne, uh, and then they also have Dick Grayson, who, who's playing Nightwing at the in this in these series. Um, one of so, the cool things about these movies is they actually have a lot of Damian Wayne in them. Well, they also have Jason Todd in Under the Red Hood, technically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is Damian Wayne in that? Is he the Robin like who serves at it in the film, or is it mainly just? Jason and Dick. I can't remember. Dick Grayson's in Nightwing's in that for a little bit. I think I haven't seen that forever. I don't think there's another Robin. They just go back to it's show like flashbacks. Jason Todd as Robin, but I don't think there's another Robin. In yeah, there. Uh, Damian Wayne has a pretty big role in Apocalypse War. Ooh, cool! I'm excited to get to that. Like I said, I, I decided. You know what? I'm going to brush up on the ones I have seen. Watch the ones I haven't seen before I get to. Uh, still, I still understand why Robin's so terrible in Hollywood, dude. They could do so much. They could do like a five picture series just with all three different Robins. Yeah, it's such a cool concept, and like, I, to me, the Dick Grayson character gets more interesting as his arc continues. Like, yeah, you know, when he becomes Nightwing, that's like one of my favorite comic characters. And it sucks that that Nightwing movie that was in development a few years ago is like, I don't know, just fucking. In development hell or totally off the tip. Yeah, I don't think so either. But I think that I will say this to Banner's point. The animated movies have done an awesome job of getting Robin right. Yeah. Damien Wayne is a certified badass in all those films. Just a little 13-year-old assassin chopping people's fucking heads off. It's great. If you take his candy. All right, anything else, Banner? You want to move on to Geiger? Uh, Let's go to Geiger. All right, Geiger, what do you got? What have you seen lately? Uh, I watched this Saturday night when I put my kid to bed on Vice, and I thought this was a comedy. It's actually in my top 100, but I realize now it's a horror movie, and that is Office Space. Um, <laughs> in college, I'm like, man, this is really funny. Now that you actually work in an office, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> like this is my fucking life almost. This is uh, it's hard to compare to the Office show because there's just so much content. But I think the office show is more for comedy. This is like, I mean, anyone that works in an office feels this. Like, I mean, you don't have a boss like Michael Scott, you know, that's doing a bunch of like illegal shit or whatever, touching people or giving a gay guy a kiss. This this movie is as close to an office setting as fucking possible. And also for Mike Judge, um, who did king of the hill he did idiocracy he's done a lot of like great shit i mean this is this is just perfect i i i can't even understand like i drank probably a six pack and watched this movie because i haven't seen it in so long that i'm like oh my god like as a mid 30 year old i can understand this the only thing this is the guy that didn't have kids but this movie casted up to bottom is just such a great fucking 90s movie so if you have you guys seen it in a while 
Uh, I think I saw it about three years ago, and That's... I do remember thinking like Lumberg is essentially like a horror villain, basically. Yeah. And then the consultants that come in, because we've all had like a business where you know, like, hey, we got absorbed by this other business, so they get rid of the fat, but then the the all-stars they keep are like, hey, you liked your job, right? Well, now you're going to do your job plus two other jobs because we're trying to save a fucking bunch With of money. no additional so, pay. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so then all the all-stars fucking leave because they're like, dude, I can do this job for double the fucking money. The only reason I stayed here is because of, you know, the way the business was run. Man, it is so good. And then the way they try to fuck them at the end and they're like, man, if we go to prison, it's basically they just send us to a resort. We get conjugal visits and everything. And then... <laughs> Then the one guy who tried to kill himself gets backed over by a drunk driver and gets a huge settlement. He's like, dude, I fucking made it, man. I finally made it, even though he's like in a wheelchair. God, it's so good. There's a lot and of how- actors, too, that you like they're C-list, but they're really good in the roles besides Jennifer Aniston. Well, so there's two things that I think are really relatable in this movie that like you might not think about at first glance. First off, I never worked in the service industry, but uh, the flair, quote unquote. Yeah conversation that joanna jennifer anderson's character has with her manager where they have to wear like a minimum of like 10 buttons on their shirt and his her manager pulls her aside and goes we're just a little concerned joanna you only have 10 pieces of flair on your uniform and she goes oh i thought that was the requirement goes, uh, yeah yes yes it is it is but it is the bare <laughs> minimum that you're she's like well what the fuck like so you asked me to wear and then the other one that I think we can all relate to with our wives is when Peter is explaining to Joanna the the scheme that they have to take the fractions of a cent from each of the transactions of their company and put it into a separate bank account. And she keeps going, yeah, that, that just sounds like stealing. And he goes, okay, maybe I'm not explaining this right. <laughs> the the, the TPS thing. reports always gets me because in a corporate setting, like when it, you – can't ever just say like listen yeah i i messed up but i caught it before so it really doesn't matter because people are like yeah well we're doing that i was like okay you basically didn't listen to anything i said you're basically just giving me the corporate answer that you you know rehearsed while you're walking up to my cubicle it's such a the the way this world is run is just it's sad the whole corporation thing where we're there's sometimes in, in my office, I will set for 20 minutes to write a two minute email just so I make sure it's like touchy Ugh. enough that no one gets offended or because there's sometimes I told my wife once, I'm like, I looked at this email for half an hour. I'm like, I don't know how to answer this without saying this is the stupidest fucking question I've ever been asked. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to just wonder how to fucking even answer this email back. And it hit home. It made me feel <laughs> good about myself that other people are living the same life. Nate Thurman uh, and I have had a great talk about like the corporate speak you can put in emails to show you're pissed off without actually saying it. Like, yes, if you already said something in a previous email, he loves to heard my heard my TV. last email. Like, <laughs> fucking read. Oh my god. Yeah, I need to go back and revisit Office Space. Oh, it's so it, good, man. If, if it hasn't already, I'm sure it will appear in someone's top 100 on the pod. Let me actually see where I have it without spoiling this for everyone. My fucking search isn't working, so whatever. Um, you got anything else, Matt? We want to move on. Oh uh, yeah, I got a couple other things. Um, 
You want to I wanted to watch a baseball movie. This is a deep cut, dude. <laughs> I, I don't know why this came to my mind, but I bought it on YouTube when I was working from home the other day and ate a DiGiorno pizza and watched Mr. 3000. Have you guys seen ever seen this, or have you seen it in a really long time? It's been a long time. I, yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah, I don't even remember. I've the, seen it the, once. The premise is fantastic. Um Bernie Mac, who is kind of a dick baseball player, I don't kind of like a Barry Bonds, just treats the media like shit. Thinks it's all. He gets his three thousand hit, just quits mid season, even though they're like World Series contenders. And then they MLB realized they made a mistake. There was a rain delay, and there was a double hitter, and like one of the games got canceled, and they counted all the hits twice. So then, after he's been retired ten years, because now he won't get in the Hall of Fame <laughs> because he doesn't have three thousand hits. He's got like two thousand nine hundred ninety seven. So he has to go back and get three hits, and he's old, and it's it's pretty fucking good. It's not kitty. It's not Disney at all. Like, I mean, they say like suck my dick and a bunch of stuff. It's not rated R, but it's definitely a hard PG thirteen. But dude, I enjoyed it. It was pretty good. The uh, the baseball in it, besides Bernie back trying to swing a bat, but actually that's r- believable because he's old and he's just you know right. trying to get a hit. He kind of, I think he only gets like he only, he's like three. For, he was like two for 52 at one point, Jeff, but they had to play him because he's trying to get his right. 3,000 He's probably hit. selling tickets, you know? Yeah, he's selling tickets too. But all the other actors they had, I mean, it was believable, you know, the baseball scenes, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good movie. And at the end, you know, he didn't get his 3,000 hit. He sacrificed Bunt so they get third place in their division because that was their goal. So it was good, though. I laughed. It was fun. It was definitely... I thought of Banner the whole time I watched this. I was like, Banner would like this movie. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely his speed for sure. Angela <laughs> Bassett is in it. Angela Bassett's in it. Yeah. The guy, Brian Joseph White. I'm, I'm trying to find out what else. The guy, I think he was big in um, Sex and the City. It was like, <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Under. I see him on the cast list. Yeah, Chris Noth. Good flick, though. Uh, the last thing I'll say is. Not only what I've watched, but what I haven't is, I, dude, I've given up on winning time. I can't fucking do it. I haven't seen anything past the first episode. And so what's your issue with it without spoiling it? I mean, I kind of know what happens, but I was going to binge it all at the end. I, I won't spoil it. But the one thing, Jeff, this is how bad it is. Episode two. And I, I knew about this a little bit. My dad did because he read his book. But they go after Jerry Tarkanian from UNLV. And he's actually in it. Not him because he's dead. They go to Vegas and they try to get him to coach the Lakers, and I'm still out on it, which is probably my favorite basketball coach and favorite basketball organization ever is UNLV Runner Rebels. Right. But after like four and a half fucking hours, I still haven't even, they're not even like preseason yet. I haven't seen any really? basketball at all. Oh my God, bro. I, yeah, I mean, Magic is finally in LA and just kind of. Getting acclimated. I mean, they haven't. Started Who's this practice. show for then? If we're five episodes in and there's no basketball, it's all about Jerry Buss and like his Playboy shit and how he's trying to build the. I'm like, dude, I don't really care about the business of the basketball thing. Like that could be that. What they needed to do this was kind of like an OJ Simpson thing. Um, the movie, not the movie, but the show on FX. Remember the one episode, like halfway through, where it was just about the jury. That's yeah, what they should have done with They should have just went one episode. Hey, this is the business of it with, with Bus and Genie and doing the Laker girls. Everything else, I just want basketball. That's fucking it. That's all I want. Yeah. 
And is that I asking too much? Any of it either. Yeah, that's not asking too much in a fucking show about the Showtime Lakers. But, I mean, you've only seen the first episode, but, like, the whole thing about Jerry West, I'm like, I don't believe any of this happened. I don't believe any stuff with Red Auerbach happened. And there's some stuff, you know, you fragment, like, you know, blindside, like some of those sports movies, like, okay, obviously this didn't happen, but there's a little piece of it that maybe did. But literally, I'm watching this, and even Magic said, I watched one episode, I didn't really like it, but I'm going to do my own. And I'm like, okay, I'd be interested in that. I want to watch the basketball part of it. Well, this is going to – my dad told me this because he's a big kind of basketball historian. Uh, Jerry West doesn't even drink in real life. <laughs> and and they make his character like some alcoholic, like psycho, in the, which is interesting in the show. But if it's just like a total bastardization of who he really was, and it's like, I mean – I want to know, like, you can give me all the, I'm not scared of you, like, making someone look bad. Just make them look accurate, you know? And I I guess it's just the whole um, Adam McKay thing to me that's like, okay, you're doing your own spin on it, but, like, where's your skins on the wall to be like, what's your connection to the Showtime Lakers where you can go out on a limb on all these stories where, like, some of it has to be believable, man. Like, a unicorn is going to come on the court here in a second. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I might be kind of at my wits end with Adam McKay since he's gone away from comedy. Don't Look Up was okay, but like parts of it, I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, when we get I, it, it's I, an Adam McKay I'll be movie. interested if you binge it, how far you get it. It better be like a snow day or something, man. I'm not even fucking kidding. It's just, after a while, I'm like, it teases you so much that I'm like, like Kareem's in like the first episode, then you don't even fucking see him. Yeah. I was intrigued after the first episode, but clearly not enough to have gone back to the show right again so uh what's it like 10 episodes i don't even know how long it is i mean i watched four Uh, episodes and they still haven't done any basketball it can't be 10 it's gotta be more than that all right i mean we got this team this is the first year team james worthy even on this fucking team yet i mean are they doing like the whole dynasty i mean the last i mean the first scene is magic getting aids so they have to do the whole thing right are they holding out for uh like a multiple seasons i don't fucking know with that I, I acting mean, list with adrian brody and all this uh, maybe i don't know possibly but at a certain point it's like if all you did in the season one was tease a second season like you're just not gonna get one gotta have some content there this says episode guide so episode seven airs next Trying to see if this is how many are in. This says eleven episodes in season one. So you're five out of eleven. So you're more, more or less halfway through, and you have no basketball. That's absurd. I mean, I think it. According to IMDb, there is a season two listed. It doesn't show how many episodes, but it makes it look like it is a possibility. Huh. All right. Let's see. I don't know. I'm kind of upset hearing you say that, but I'm glad you told me. I was too, man. We were, I mean, we had this circle of what we were talking about this four months ago on pod. Yeah. Yeah. How excited. And we're like, man, it's on HBO. We all have HBO. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. They should have gone for it. Um, all right. I just finished a show on HBO that I highly recommend to you guys. Our flag means death. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-mm. Uh, I think you were telling me about it a little bit off pod. So, Matt, you're either going to love this or hate it, but it's from Taika Waititi, 
who wrote and stars in it, and he directed the pilot episode. And it is pirate about show. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah that's right. Show. It is fucking hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, Taika Waititi plays Blackbeard in the show, um, and it's basically a comedic take on like the cutthroat world of being a pirate in like the Renaissance age of uh, piracy, and. The main character in it is Reese Darby, who you guys probably know best as the guy from the the new Jumanji movies. He's the one who goes, welcome to Jumanji, and like introduces the game to them. (laughs) But he plays a guy who's like a gentleman pirate. Basically, he leaves his life of privilege, like where he's rich, to become a pirate because he thinks it sounds badass. But he's basically like a little bitch and like reads books and like doesn't want to be like violent with other people. And he runs into Blackbeard, and they just become fucking best friends. <laughs> and they and there's a lot of really fun like cameos from famous actors in this. And it's basically just them at sea, getting drunk, being vulgar, being like hilarious pirates. Some I did other guys see in this, it, and I was like, man, I need to watch it. I totally forgot about it. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And dude, the, the thing that I like, so it's I think ten episodes, but they're each like 25 minutes, which is good. Nice. Another guy you might recognize, Joel Fry, is one of the guys in his crew. He was um, Jasper, I believe, in the Cruella movie, and he was also in the movie Yesterday. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. He's really funny. So he is the guy. He's actually the guy who he loves sewing, and he comes up with, like, a bunch of designs for their pirate flag, you know, and they're all, like, really artistic and, like, ridiculous. (laughs) That's, like, one of the pilot episodes. So our flag means death. I highly recommend it. And the way it ends, like they have to do a season two. It ends on a pretty interesting. Uh, Good note. Yeah. And it's just a fun show. I don't. To me, it was like unique. And Matt, I know you love pirates. Even though this is like a much different spin on the pirate, uh, there's a lot of good laughs in it. And if you like Taika Waititi, he's fucking hilarious in this. I'll definitely give that a whirl. <clears throat> yeah, he's great. All right, Banner. What else you got? All right, so uh, me and the the wife have been on like uh, crime documentary, true crime uh, shows kick here recently, and uh, one of the ones we watched was Inventing Anna, and this is Psych a. Tried to get through this, he said it was just too long. It was, it was absurd. It's nine one hour episodes, <laughs> or like fifty seven minutes or two minutes or whatever it is. And there was so much fucking fluff in it. This literally, you could have done the exact same story in four episodes. Not this is different. like a female version of the Tinder swindler, right? Uh, yes, more or less. Yes, which I'm. I have got like thirty minutes of Tinder swindler left. Uh, that we'll finish when we get off pod here. Okay, good. Um, and regardless of it being long or whatever, it, it was. Somewhat of an interesting story. Julia Gardner, I think, was good, but my God, was her accent the fucking worst. Is she supposed to be British in it? So she's Russian, but at like a young age, she moved to Germany. So she has like a Russian-German, like weird. And the real life person, I listened to some interviews of her, and she sounds fucking weird too. So like I get what she was trying to do, but just like let's just not. It's, it's like a Sophie Turner, Jean Grey situation. Like, you can't do it very well. 
So let's just not and be okay with that. Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I would not recommend it just because of the length. I would recommend going and just googling uh, Anna Delvey and reading about it on Wikipedia because that's instead of wasting nine hours of your life, you can waste ten minutes. Was was there a point that you realized like yeah this is not that interesting but you were so far in that you're like well we have to finish it now yeah yeah I was about episode seven I was like I haven't really been very interested in two episodes and it's just getting ridiculous like her her actually like how they portrayed her in the beginning and her starting to con people and starting to build this business of hers that was all interesting when it started to fall apart wouldn't you think like oh that's gonna be the fun part. It was just a fucking train wreck. It was awful. All right. I'll stay away because I've the two people that I know, you and Psycho, that saw it, not a good, not a glowing recommendation. Now, one I would recommend going to, to watch uh, is called Bad Vegan. You guys heard of this one? Netflix. Saw it pop up on Netflix. Is it a reality series or a... No, this is a, another true crime. Uh, four episodes, a lot, lot easier to take in. Okay. Um, and this is in... Hour long? Uh, yeah, like 40, 40 minutes each. Okay. They're not too bad. Um, this is about a woman who created a, the, basically the first raw vegan restaurant in New York city. Like it was the cool place to go. They were making a shit ton of money. She meets this guy and he basically, uh, manipulates her and kind of brainwashes her to embezzling millions of dollars away from the business and her investors. Wait, sorry, uh, this says it is a documentary series. Yeah. So it's, oh, I thought you said it was a drama. No, 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 docu-series. Okay. Inventing Anna was a, was a drama. All right. The other, the other one. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's interesting, very interesting. I saw the trailer for it and I was kind of intrigued. I it's weird because a lot of these stories like are pretty recent, but I don't ever remember hearing about them in the news. So when they're like, it was fucking crazy, I'm like, but how did I miss this? Yeah, I think Yeah, th- this one I think was like early to mid two thousands. So this one I was still a little like I didn't give a shit what was going on in the world. Like I was fourteen. I was just focused on like touching a boob. Dude, they're so dramatic with these titles. The actual title is Bad Vegan colon Fame period Fraud period Fugitives. That's, I mean, technically, yeah, they're right, but that's a little <laughs> aggressive. It's dramatic, yeah. Yeah. Sex sells. Uh, so yeah, I would, uh, I'd recommend Bad Vegan if you're, if you like true crime stories, um, and I would stay away from inventing Anna. Good to know. Geiger, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm out. I'm done. Okay. Um, I'll mention I watched the Hulu original movie Deep Water with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. You guys probably saw the trailer for this, right? Mm -hmm. This is the worst movie I've seen this year. (laughs) God, it's fucking stupid. My letterbox review, I go in pretty hard on it. It's already nominated on the Broscars for the Can I Speak to Your Manager Award for next year. <laughs> um, it basically is the same 
uh, I, I don't want to spoil it in case anyone out there is interested, but it's like the same beginning of a narrative that is replayed three times, and then that's the resolution. And this thing thinks it is so goddamn clever. It's a little ridiculous. Uh, the performances are okay, but the characters, like, to say they have no arc would be putting it mildly. Like, literally, n- this movie is two hours, six minutes, and what gives it the right? Because we end in the exact same fucking place that we are 15 minutes into it. <laughs> and the last, like, 20 minutes, like, there are just some absurd yeah. character choices. Like, characters do... It's basically the narrative equivalent of, like, the guy, like, slips on a banana peel and drops a bunch of plates. It's like, oh, so we're just... We've totally given up on any plot logic at all. <sighs> It, it had me intrigued because it was sort of like another Gone Girl-esque situation. But, I mean, this thing is just absolute dog shit. So, stay away unless you just want to see a train wreck. But, again, it's two hours. What are the time for that shit? Yeah, not in the train wrecks for two hours. Ben, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, I'll do, I'll do one more. Um, this is another true crime. Like I said, we've been on this crazy true crime kick here recently. Uh, Puppet Master hunting the ultimate con man. Mm. Yeah. Now, does that? This is uh, two, maybe only three episodes that I think they were like forty minutes long. Uh, again, read read the Wikipedia a little bit. Netflix on it. loves these fucking true crimes. I know, man, and I'm falling for it, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm here to report, and you guys know, like when there's something bad, and I say it's bad, <laughs> you know to stay away from it, right? <laughs> Like, I'm the one to be like, yeah, I mean, I like this. It's a pushover. This, thing yeah. uh, this is the exact same uh, thing that Jeff just said. We, we, we end exactly where we started. I'll fucking spoil it for you guys. I don't care. This don't guy care basically cons these women out of money, manipulates them to where they just will do whatever he asks them to do, and... Moves away, isolates them from their family, and technically, I don't know that he's done anything illegal. This is, I think, all this happened in Europe. Uh, technically, I don't think he did anything illegal. He's just being a fucking dick, and like, no jail time. Like, there's no payoff at the end. Like, he's still just out there running around somewhere. Probably watching this with a beer and some popcorn. Like, yeah. hell yeah. He's yeah, like, hey, babe, your kids are on TV. Have him come on. <laughs> Yeah, Master right. He definitely subscribes to this podcast. Uh, so yeah, stay away from that one. That's all I got. It's weird because all these are like such varying episode, like or, or season lengths. Not that I'm complaining, but it, it just kind of seems like it's all over the place. Yeah, I guess and whatever. It's, it's interesting what they dive into and what they don't dive into uh, in some of these true crime things. Like you can go real deep into like the court cases, or you can go real deep into like how they got there how they did the crime i don't know one thing matt always brings up and i do like this about true crime is sometimes the most interesting part is what you find on your internet rabbit hole after mm. you watch the yeah. documentary you know but again that's you can't give the show credit for that <laughs> all right i have one last thing sort of so you guys know i'm running through uh re-watching the mighty morphin power rangers mm. Yes. I'm really just waiting to get to the uh, Green Ranger debut, which is like towards the end of season one. 
And Cycle and I talked about doing a commentary on like the four part episode. So if any of you guys want to jump on for that, I think it'd be pretty it's, awesome. It's actually pretty good storytelling. I'm not, it it's, not awful. it's not awful. Yeah, the tough thing though, Matt, is fucking making it there because I'm a, a completist. So I am watching uh, the whole season up till that point. And my last episode was now, first off, I've said this before. There is a, a huge debate. The internet's on fire with this thing. People are leaving their wife and kids to go fight on the front lines for their respective side. But there's a big discrepancy over the actual release order of the episodes of season one. And all of that I'm exaggerating completely. No one actually gives a fuck. It's just different websites have them listed differently. Um, so Netflix has this as episode eight, but the TV Time app has as episode seven. And this the last episode I watched was called I, like the letter I, comma, eye guy like your eyeball let me read you the okay. plot synopsis here you guys will love this billy helps his young brainy buddy guess his name it's willie <sighs> with a virtual reality device for the angel grove science fair willie's intelligence and lack of self-confidence entices rita as she schemes to capture him and use his experiments for evil the eye guy scopes the boy out but fails to see the Rangers coming. Wow. What a sci-fi. I mean, no scientific breakthrough has ever been used for evil before. <sighs> so, and all, all I wrote down in all these is my favorite quote or moment, and then a description of the bad guy, because I don't want to obviously delve into it too much. But um, there's a moment in this where all of the Rangers are at the Angel Grove Science Fair. And Trini is like testing out Willie's, not Billy's, Willie's virtual reality glasses. And she just says, wow, these are more phenomenal. To which I said, if you're trying to fucking hide the fact that you are the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, maybe don't call the virtual reality device more phenomenal. It's, it's literally like Mike Trout going into Subway wearing a Mike Trout jersey, how they dress <laughs> in their colors all the time. You Mike right. Trout? No. What? what? Why would you think that? I'd because you are so i just thought it was kind of cocky of trini second off i think batman and robin the aforementioned movie which we can't stop fucking talking about took a cue out of this episode's book because i guy the main villain he speaks almost exclusively in i puns like every time rita says something to him he goes i i captain or i i queen and i'm like yeah we get it you're made up of eyeballs uh and he also says, like, sight for sore eyes and some other stupid fucking things throughout this. I can get behind that. Goldar <laughs> is the definition of looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, isn't he? Like, he looks like a monster, but he gets his ass kicked all the time. Well, and you know he's not a fucking brawler because anytime Rita could, like, she gets pissed off at the Rangers, she could just send him down there. But instead she has uh, Minster or whatever the fuck his name is just make her some dude out of Like, this guy's literally just a putty. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Goldar's like just on the bench, you know? So he Goldar's the backup quarterback. Right? I was going to say, Goldar's like, really put him in the game. Pretty. He's really sitting pretty because he's making, I mean, he's not making like top money, but he's making like steady money. He's, he's like a blue lion guy with a sword. Like he's badass. But Matt, as we all know, the backup quarterback, remember our old boss used to say this, he's every fan base's favorite player. They're always oh, like, yeah, he can absolutely. do a better fucking job. And the coaches are like, well, obviously not, because we see him every day in practice, and he's still on the bench. So trust us here. That's Goldar. All right, that was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 1, probably Episode 7. I, comma, I guy.
I'll report back when I watch episode eight. All right, that parrot noise brings us to the end of our show, which is our Do You Even Lift Bra segment where we ask a question in the world of movies or TV, and we leave you guys with it at home. The current question is, what are the bros' top 100 movies of all time? We've been counting down this list since, I don't know, what, episode 160 or something like that? And you will find the link in the description of this episode, as well as at the top of our website, brofirstquad.com. Uh, we are counting down, of course, from 100 to number one. And as we currently sit, we're just going to have Geiger go today because he hasn't been able to pod in a little while. He's a, a bit behind us. Um, Matt, before you get us started with your number 75th favorite movie of all time, because Banner's at 73 and I've already done my 72nd. Brian, why don't you tell the people at home how you would describe these top 100 lists? Because I think, as we always say, and it's worth noting, these are definitely not like the AFI top 100 movies of all time. This has a very unique bro for squad feel to them wouldn't you say yeah look are these the best movies ever no are they the best acted movies no are they the best stories no are they the most fun movies maybe this is my personal or our personal top 100 movies some of these movies are way higher than they should be because of nostalgia factor or some sort of outside uh, variable that made this better like uh, Jeff uh, was it Rush Hour 2 that was the first DVD you ever owned right yeah, yeah. my number 84 movie of all time <laughs> yeah and that's literally because it was it was a technological advancement in society that movie got that high so these are basically the top 100 movies that you should go off of if you're like, you know what, I'm not into movies, but I want to get into movies. Probably not listening to us, but like maybe you have a friend. These are the movies that you should have them watch. And this list includes, and Banner, I hate to keep calling you out for this, but Jumanji, not the Robin Williams one. <laughs> and it also includes... Said it with a straight face, yeah. too. <laughs> I, had, I, I can't lie, guys. <laughs> And it also includes The Great Dictator from 1940 on Nate Thurman's list at number 79. So, yeah, we and Cycli has a uh, French film, Amelie. So we get out there. Amelie is actually behind Cool Runnings. That shows you how unique these lists are. <laughs> Where else can you find that shit, folks? <laughs> Only on the Bro Four Squad. So leading Jesus. that off, Matt, if, you, if you'd like, you could do four today. Such your an number... ESPN first take debate. <laughs> like, which movie's better? Yeah. I'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Geiger, your number 76 favorite movie of all time. I'm shocked it was this low, but that was Logan. Yes. We all love. So what is your number 75 favorite movie of all time? Coming in at number 75, uh, this might be a shocker too. It's this high, but Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah. Big Tarantino fan. And I would say of all the Tarantino films, this is the highest ranking one that I like on my list. Uh I remember seeing this, I believe I was a junior in high school. Obviously, when this movie came out, I wasn't really tight, old enough to go to Blockbuster and rent this. Uh, but I always thought a movie would have a beginning, middle, and end. Um, Tarantino flipped that, and it was like the first time you smoked pot for the first time or the first time you had sex. So I was like, so you could just go to the end, and then you're like, fuck, how'd they get there? And then they show it, and then they go to the end again. I like how all the names are like Mr. Blonde, Mr. Pink. No one wanted to know each other's name in case someone got caught. They couldn't rat him out to the police. And, of course, with Tarantino, man, the dialogue, like, 
what do these people fucking talk about when they're just sitting around drinking coffee? And Steve Buscemi, how he gives the uh, line where he doesn't tip. And then there's Mark Madsen, that fucking brutal scene where he cuts the guy's ear off, where he's like, no, I don't need any information. I'm just going to torture you a little bit. And this was one of the first times, and he's done it before, obviously once upon a time in Hollywood, he did it, but where the radio station is basically a cast member and super sounds of the seventies where everyone's listening to it. Mm -hmm. It's just a fantastic film. Um, It's not a Tarantino film that I relive a lot just because I don't think it's as easy. No Tarantino films, an easy watch. That's not a good word for him, but I can go right in the middle of Pulp Fiction and just, I'm like, okay, I'll pick it up from here and go reservoir dogs. I, I really have to watch start to finish for some reason, but just a perfect film. And you know, for a great director and writer like Tarantino, this was, I mean, this was one of the first ones I think that he came out with where people were like, dude, who is this guy? And he's like twisting the story around. And it really caught my attention as a young movie uh, connoisseur. Confession. I've never seen Reservoir Dogs. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you didn't spoil it for me. because Double confession. Neither have I. Wow. wow. Damn. That's that's pretty crazy. I would, man, out of five hundred movies, that's insane. Potential movies, yeah. I bet there's only a handful that only one person on the pod has seen. I bet. I mean, I know Cycle's seen it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm pretty sure Thurman's seen it. Yeah. So it's. I mean, I've always been interested in it. You know, I love Tarantino. It just was like kind of in a blind spot for me, I guess it came out before I really like could appreciate, appreciate Tarantino. And even though Pulp Fiction came out kind of around the same time, it's not one I've gone back to, but I've heard it's fucking insane and I definitely need to check it out. So you telling me that they flipped the story and you're like, Whoa, how did we get here? It's one of that, the first time. I mean, Pulp Fiction I, does that too, but this, this was his first movie and it's the first time I've ever seen it done. Obviously probably someone's did it before Tarantino maybe, but it's the first time I ever seen it done. I was like, this is interesting. I'm like, it's weird. Cause some people would watch this like, this is too confusing. I'm like, man, I really got to catch along. I liked it. It was fucking cool. I like that style movie. And in general, I don't mind spoilers. Cause it's about the journey, not the ending to me. Yeah. So if you tell me what the ending is, it makes me, well, more I don't want to told, so. no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like by telling the story that way, it, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It, I, I love when people I innovate and they're like, okay, the biggest question when you go in a movie, how's it end? And like, we'll tell you how it ends the first 10 minutes. The question is how we fucking got there. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> and he basically created that framing device too. Like, it's. Been I think so, yeah. Thing, I, but. I, like I said, someone might have done it before him. I wasn't aware of him. I was a 90s kid. Maybe someone in the 70s did it, and I can't think of it right now. But I think he perfected it. I think that's definitely not up for debate. Right. So the next one, number 74, this movie, no fucking way it'd be on my top 100 list until we had this podcast. And it's all due to Ronnie Cycli because I love to be armchair quarterback for this movie. I love to basically be part of a political party and just point out how the other side is like wrong and everything. And that is Titanic because I never fucking saw Billy Zane's side of the story until it was pointed out to me. And now every time I watch that movie, I love to just nudge whoever I'm watching with, like, see? Like, she's cheating on him. Like, I mean, he fucking takes her to this great fucking ship. And growing up, this movie was basically, like, all the girls in elementary school love this movie because of Leo. 
I didn't like Leo, and then he really proved himself to me as an actor. You know, throughout his career, you can name a million movies that he's done that. But going back and watching this, even though it's really long, I fucking really enjoy it. Anytime it's on TV, I will watch it. And the Billy Zane dynamic, where it's kind of like Star Wars, once you get older and you realize that actually the Sith was right about everything, it makes you rewatch it again, and you feel like you're watching a different movie because it's from a different point of view. So for that reason, Titanic made my list at number 74. Yeah, and that movie commentary was one of the most fun times I've ever had. Obviously, it's it's a long movie, but we had plenty of bros on it. We were plenty drunk, and I can probably guarantee if you're at home and you go listen to it, we'll probably, I think you'll have fun with it because we just had fun pointing out shit. Like, we watch it from a lens that most people probably haven't viewed the movie Titanic from. Let's put it that yep. way. And if you want to have more fun, every time we say Billy Zane is in the right because of this drink, you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that was the goal. All right, All number right. 73. Right? Yeah, yeah, 73. Another movie. No way it would have made my top 100 until this pod. And Banner made me watch it for a commentary, and I was like, I've always heard this movie is a classic, and when I watched it, I re- realized Can I guess what it is? Caused. Uh, go yes. ahead. Yep. Joss. <laughs> Joss. Yeah. And after I watched nice. it, I, I just thought it was like, and I love shitty 80s movies, but I thought this was like a shitty 80s movie with some terrible shark that they made a ton of sequels with, which are actually bad. But this yes. one is fucking fantastic. Like it is, it's, it's not a shitty 80s movie. I consider it with the Back to the Future as it is a classic 80s movie. The acting in this is actually really good. I knew they had good actors in it, but... Obviously, I mean, we've named a bunch of good actors in this pod already with Clooney and Kilmer, and they were terrible as Batman. But this movie is fucking fantastic. And sorry, it's a 70s movie. It's not 70s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 75. Uh, but uh, man, it is really fucking good. And once again, another dynamic. Yeah, once again, another dynamic how it's a classic, you know, it's classic score, classic lines you've heard before. But then another bros dynamic where you can watch it with your friends and be like, dude, how awesome would it be if we had a shark attack and we just tell our wives and we just go out there and drink for a week? It's like, I'm saving the town. I'm saving our kid. Like, you know, like I got to do this. Don't be selfish. It's our fucking duty. And we just go out there and fucking we're like, dude, the shark will not be here. We're just going to fish and drink and, you know, just go back with a tan. We come back and they go, hey, do you got the shark? No, we ran out of beer, but we we know where he's at. (laughs) We know where he's at now. What shark? Oh, the shark. Yeah. Shark, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? And that, that movie has one of my favorite scenes uh, ever. And that's when they're all in the boat, just getting drunk, telling all war stories and showing each other old scars. That is just, it is a great campfire scene, even though there's not a campfire. Yeah. It's, we talked it's one about of the, that in our commentary, how... I was like, when I watched this, I watched it actually at work when I was in outside sales. I just parked under a tree and literally watched the entire thing on my phone <laughs> because I was like, man, this is so fucking good. I got to do a commentary. But I marked that scene. I was like, this is like a Western scene around the campfire, but they're in a yeah. boat. And then um, the dynamic of the old school shark catcher that's like, hey, you know, I use nature to do it. And then you got the guy fresh out of fucking school that's like, hey, we got all this new technology and who to listen to and one way thinks they're right, and the other one way thinks they're right. Fantastic movie, a lot of different layers, a lot of great acting. Made the list. Would have never fucking made my list. Didn't even watch it before Banner's recommendation. 
it's a classic for a reason, you know. All right, at number seventy-two, you talk about baseball movies. Uh, this is one of my favorites, but obviously not the favorite because I got a lot more. But that is the original Major League. You got it's rated R. It has, I would say, other than Bull Durham, it has an actual baseball feel to it. Like it is a real yep. baseball movie. There's no dog playing center field. There's no like you know angels in the fucking outfield. There's nothing. There's none of that. It's a real fucking baseball film. And the last scene, the third act. I mean, Jeff, as a Rangers fan, watching them, you know, in the ALCS, you know, beat A Rod and the Yankees, or you know, go in the World Series. You know that feel where it's like, man, the fucking stadium's rocking, and you know, you, you need two more outs. You get that feel. Oh at yeah, the, at the third act of Major League, which I a lot of other baseball movies you don't. It's just like a Disney movie or something like like Rookie of the Year. You get that feel in this where it's like, man, it's like this is fucking go time. Like we could win the ALCS and then go on to the World Series. Great acting. Uh, Corbin Burns is fantastic. Charlie Sheen is fantastic. Wesley Snipes is fantastic, and. Man, it just it's it's a baseball movie. There's bit there's there's movies that have baseball in them, and there's baseball movies. I consider this and Bull Durham like an actual baseball film, and uh, for that, that made my uh, number seventy two. And we've all been Randy Quaid at the end, right? Just the fucking ups and downs. That's on Major League Two. Oh, that's right. He's not in the first one. Damn, I always forget that. Bob Euchre's in the first one, though, right? The announcer. He's he's in all three of them. Okay, yeah, he's just awesome. a bit outside. Just a bit outside. I always wondered as a kid, like, what if the announcer's just, like, exaggerating everything? The ball, like, goes to the fucking backstop. And that's Classic. another time, too, where it feels like, you know, my dad and a lot of people would listen. Like, baseball was on the radio. It lived on the radio. Mm-hmm. So, like, people would be the voice of the Rangers, the voice of the Cardinals, you know, like Jack Buck or whoever. So, I mean, Bob Euchre was the voice of the Brewers for a while, um, but it, it just has, like, the announcer in it, and I think they took that in a lot of other, like, you know, John Candy was in Rookie of the Year, and um, yeah. you got the guy in Angels in the Outfield. The announcer was definitely part of the movie, but, I mean, having an actual Bob Euchre, who's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, I mean, makes that movie, too. Yeah, he's great in it. You could argue in some of those movies, the announcers are, like, some of the best parts. Like, John Candy in Rookie of the Year is incredible. Oh, yeah, for sure. Episode scene stealer. All right. That will conclude our countdown tonight of our top 100 movies. Before we leave the people at the end of episode 182, Banner, any advice for the listeners at home? Yeah, just pull over for emergency vehicles. Let them go. Uh, I have a very unfortunate story to, to tell this week, guys. Um, oh, no. Me and, uh, yeah, me and baby Banner were going to get donuts and... Heard emergency vehicle. Obviously, we got over, as did 99% of everybody else. But this fucking black Camry comes fucking whipping through the goddamn intersection in front of the ambulance. Was there an accident? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The emergency vehicle, the emergency lights were on. You pull the fuck over. Someone's daughter actually, in there, Jeff. Yeah, for real. Uh, this... This afternoon, actually, as I was leaving work, I had an ambulance coming up behind me, and I got over, and most people did, but the thing that bothers me, too, is before you know where the ambulance is going, like, the people behind the ambulance are still trying to, like, like, the second it passes you, you don't just resume speed, you know? You don't know if the thing's gonna have to U-turn or get in the right turn lane, just chill. Yeah, there's, you gotta, you gotta give a little distance. Yeah. 
Well said. Uh, Geiger, what do you want to leave the people with? Does everyone throw away their trash? And if you see something, pick it up and throw it away. Not because like of the earth or climate change or anything like that. Just imagine if you're the guy that's got to pick it up and you're hungover and your wife's bitching at you. Just have them pick up a little less trash or something, you know? Just clean it's shit up. It's sad we have to say that, totally. Every time I walk by, I'm like, nobody successful litters, I don't think. Yeah, I saw a car like two weeks ago throw like a magazine out the fucking window. I was like, you can't just go home and throw that away. Like, Bro, four squad turn into Captain Planet. We're talking about <laughs> recycling and pulling over for emergency vehicles. Who buys magazines anymore? I don't know, man. This fucking sick freak who was in front of me. I'll leave the people with some other advice. Uh, when you go get your haircut, remember that no, the decision you're making isn't permanent, but it will last about a month. Yep. So make wise choices. And the people cutting your hair, of course, you can trust them to cut your hair, but they get a sales quota as well. So whatever product they're trying to push on you, you don't have to buy it. I had a guy in there the other day, probably about 45, and the woman was trying to pitch him on blue hair dye. I'm like, dude, I don't know what your job is, but you might as well just punt it if you fucking leave here looking like a member of BTS. Well, Clark Kent had blue hair in the cartoons. Maybe that's what this guy was going for. Yeah, Superman, this guy was not. <laughs> like a little bitch. All right, for our enforcer in the paint, Matt Geiger and the mad scientist, Brian Banner, I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro 4 Squad podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Bro 4 Squad. You can find us on Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube if you type in Bro 4 Squad as three separate words and check out everything we do on our website, bro4squad.com. Please help us by voting in the Batman Actor Movie Madness Tournament. Till next time, we'll see you in the Batcave. I'm going to have a tumbler of scotch poured for me to drink along with Alfred. I trust you all. That is 7-7 tonight. Underrated, guys. They're Very good. I haven't had that in a while. Is it still a 7-7 seven seven if it's not Seagram's? Because isn't that like the 7? Uh, it's, I always thought it was 7-Up and Jack. But I use Sprite, so... Yeah, Sprite or 7-Up.